Welcome to Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective podcast, where we meet experts from all walks of life to learn their intrinsic motivation so that they can share it with the world. What do we have in store today? Stay tuned to find out more. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everybody out there in podcast land. You are in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hamza. And I am David. And today we have our wonderful guest, Sana uh, Brauner. She is from Vienna. And she's going to talk o- about a really good, inspiring story. Um, she was in the in the 2004 tsunami and um, had a lot of change, if you will. I'll let her explain in greater detail. Uh, but a lot of change, and I think this podcast is going to be about perspective. Uh, David and I have been talking offline about, oh, man, I was stuck in traffic today or my flight was late, you know, these smaller things that we kind of gripe about. And Sana is going to talk about something that's happened to her and very inspirational, I believe. Without further ado, calling from Vienna, we have Sana to our podcast. Welcome, Sana. Hi. Good to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks a lot. Yes, thanks our for pleasure. being here. Yes, our pleasure. And, and you've written a book called The Borrowed Daughter, and we've had people come on and it's taken a year to write a book. It's taken five years to write a book. It's taken a lifetime to write a book. And you, your, I think your book is probably an ongoing living and breathing document that was actually published recently. Uh, I'd like for you to, before going into your book, talk about the purpose of writing your book. Mm-hmm. Okay, to write a book was for me to, there are several reasons. And I would say the first main reason would, it was my therapy. So, it, and I gave my story a meaning by writing the book, which I feel can help many people to understand also their story, because my story is my, but I feel like everybody of us come with a purpose and have their own story. But sometimes we forget and we get caught up in, like you said, like small things and then we think it's great, it's something big. So one thing is like, okay, it was for me a therapy. The other thing is also I uh, was chief editor of a newspaper. So writing is something what is always I used to and I got really familiar with. So to sit down and write the book was, and it was a long process. I started one year after the happening, and it took me 10 years later, almost 12 years later, to finish the book, actually. Yeah, I'm wondering, with a background as a chief editor of a newspaper, I believe you're taught to write objectively about any story, not to put any emotion to it. And something you've gone to was definitely close to your heart. So was that part of it, where you were constantly editing from a parent's perspective versus a chief editor's perspective? Um, Do you ask about uh, being a chief while I was a chief editor or by writing a book? What what is the question? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm trying to frame your uh, process for writing the book 
uh, as a chief oh. editor of a newspaper, mm-hmm. you pretty much have to write objectively, right, yeah. for right. any type of subject. But mm-hmm. since this is so close to you, you know, mm-hmm. was it a challenge to write it from a parent's perspective versus constantly using your chief editor hat? Mm-hmm. You know, it. The point is, there is no choice in a way of when you go through something like this, you you feel yourself just in pain. And there is no way that you can, for me, it was like this. I don't know, maybe it would be different. But for me, it was like, actually, I stopped working as a chief editor. I stopped uh, totally. I had uh, also my the father of... Um, Alexander is the son, and Alexander Nitsa the, the daughter. So uh, it was for us like really like we had to stop to make a kind of new orientation because it happened actually in such a dramatic way the change in our lives, you know. That uh, and then starting the book just to answer your question, it was totally only emotionally. It was absolutely just. I, I just wrote, I, I was, while I was writing, I was not anymore human. I was just a prayer who was going to connect and to really write every, every, it was, it's very emotional. It's really from a parent who, um, yes, who goes through unbelievable pain at the same time with a belief you know that there is in everything what happens in your life there must be a bigger picture behind it's there is no way so it's kind of like i help myself by connecting to this higher power and i got so much guidance so that's why i also can say today like you know there is I feel I really have to give something. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And i like to talk a little bit about, since you kind of led into it, where you said that life is bigger than what we can imagine in many respects. If you don't mind uh, going through how uh, we, we have a typical day, I wake up, I'm going to have breakfast and then get the family ready. And I believe you're on vacation. So would you like to walk us through that day or... Right. We can yes. approach it from you any know. way you want to. Right. So the point is we have been on holiday in a five-star hotel in Kaulak. It's a beautiful beach close to a national park. So it was a little more remote. You know, it was not that much developed touristically. It was, and we have, so we, it means like um, Helmut, the father of my ex-husband, um, Alexander, that time almost six years old. Alexandra Anita, at that time two and a half year old, the daughter. So my sister with her son, who is eight years old, my mom, and then we had friends with their children, 16 year old and uh, the girl and 24, the boy. So uh, it's sunny day, you just had Christmas the night before, it was like beautiful celebrating, you know, it's like, 
and we just take it easy, have breakfast, you know, at the restaurant. The restaurant is at the beach, so it's like a beautiful view. You're just like, everything is fine. And so everybody decides to do something different, you know, somehow. So it's around 10 o'clock in the morning, you know, and um, the father of the other one, he went to a jeep safari and uh, Helmut with um, the boys, my sister's son and our son, he went, you know, just swimming. It was the pool from this hotel was at that time the biggest pool in Asia. It was a huge pool, pool like, um, like channels. You know, it was like going um, totally around every bungalow and somehow, and you could go from the room direct if you are on the ground floor in the, in the swimming pool and you would just swim to the front, to the beach and, you know, go back. So it was like really beautiful. So he went, you know, ready to the room by water, swimming there. And I was a little bit sitting down with my sister and my mom and the little daughter. And so we are chatting, having a good time. And then I said, you know what? I will go bring all our swimsuits because we didn't have the bikini with us. And uh, as it takes like almost 10 minutes, you know, to because it was a really big hotel, you know, to, to go to the room, uh, I said, you know, you just stay here and I go bring everything and I come back with the boys and Helmut and yeah. So I go to the room as I arrive in the room and I go on the balcony where the pool is in front of me and the boys are opposite on kind of an island in the pool, you know, it made like, and they had like a slide where you would where they were been there and Helmut was just in front in the water and I just said, you know, let's just go take our swimming stuff and go to the beach. And I was not, you know, finishing actually this sentence. Suddenly, you know, from nowhere, it was just nowhere because, you know, there is water coming, just water in, and it's like, so fast, everything happens. You just there is nothing like time anymore. And I got plugged back in the room, and uh, in the next moment, the room is full with water. You know, and I just you know see. I it's interesting in the book. I really explain it very very slow and detailed what everything has happened because it was like somehow the time it everything happens in I don't know thousands of seconds, and at the same time, I could realize, well, I'm in room, the room is full of water, you know, there is no escape, but at that next moment, I got thrown out, it was so, you know, huge, the mass of water, and the power, it's just unimaginable, and I got somehow thrown out, and, but being in the water, not knowing where I am, you know, not knowing, just, you know, like, when you're in a washing machine and you got cut up and your whole body back down, you have no way where it's up, where it's down. And I just try and try to get out, try to get out. Try. No way, no way. So suddenly, you know, you're just in water and the water and you just feel like, okay, that's it. You know, that's, that's it. And then I had this kind of near-death experience where I could just not do any. I had just to give up and to let go. It's like, okay, that's the way how you die. And that's what it is. So I just, you know, there was nothing, there was no thinking. It was like, but at that moment, right now, I, something happened, like, I went, it was like two saunas. It was, and, and around myself, I got just, I was in a different dimension. It was like, everything got quiet. 
everything got peaceful, silent. It was like totally, you know, me and nobody else, just silence. And, so, and then I hear this voice, and it's my voice asking myself, Sana, do you want to live? And I'm like, yes. It, I can hear myself answering yes, you know. And just having said yes, everything started again. You know, it's like I get washed and I get thrown. I get it gets loud because at some point it's still it's in the water, but it's loud. It's loud, and you just like. And at some point, I get somehow I am on the surface of the water. And the thing is, like, I look up and then I see the hotel is around half a mile. I'm out of the hotel and in, into, into, towards the land. And the next what it is, I, there is like a van, a big truck, you know, beside me floating in the water. And I grab the mirror, you know, the side, you know, of the, and, and just to, you know, just rest a little because I was like, this is, this is the end of the world that time. It was like for me, like there's no way because, I mean, you're on holiday, have a beautiful time. And then just like, and so this is where actually um, I came out of the water. And the first thing, I don't know from where it came, somehow I had to express and just to say it out loud, like, thank you. And not that I really understood why or whatever, but at the end, what happened, it's like, just to make it short, because it's really, it's like um, sometime, you know, later, you know, after being wild out, not having no clue what's happening, trying, you know, to come uh, on on a, a tree to hold myself and to climb somehow out of the water because I had to let go the truck because and the mirror because it started to sink and to flood away. So I had to look for something else, you know, so I didn't because I was, you know, the water was bringing me towards a, a, like a forest. And I was like, okay, this speed and everything, I will get smashed in this old tree and everything. So I kind of helped myself to grab, you know, stuff what was hanging around trees, you know, beds, televisions, cars, everything. I grabbed on something to just not being flooded anymore and climbed up, you know, to see and to get a little bit rest out of the water to do something. But it was very, very, I was like, you know, anyway, uh, just to make it laugh, at the end of the day, we, we are here. Helmut, my sister's son, Alexander, and I saw my sister, you know, I, I came back, my sister, I could see her alive, and she was brought with an ambulance, you know, uh, to, the, to somewhere, we had no clue where, because people, and I did not know where my mom is, and I did not know where Alexander Anita is. And um, the only thing, what I got as a message, and this started, I realized Later on, actually, with this happening of myself being just for a moment on the other side, that um, voices came to me. And it's like, you know, your mom took this as a possibility to go. And for Alexandra Anita, it came like, 
there is nothing what you can do now. But no, just to let you know, it's going to be taking care of her. So this is somehow, so we got up, you know, in the mountains, all these other people, and then, you know, we, since that day, um, my mom, they found the body half a year later, and um, they found it before, but they had to identify something, and we, and Alexander Nita is missing, and I say really missing, because through many, many, you know, other different reasons, what I'm writing in the book, I know that she's alive. No, that, that's a, I mean, I can't even imagine going through that. Um, but it was just interesting following along with you as you were explaining it, which leads to many questions, uh, one mm-hmm. of which is uh, the movie Hereafter by Matt Damon. Have you seen it? I did not want to on purpose because I want, I have in my mind also a movie. So mm-hmm. I want just to be my, you know, everything free because I have visions, pictures, how I would like to see it. But I, people told me about, people told me about this movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very similar in that not given away because, you know, on your own time you may watch it, but, so the lady was a uh, she was a news anchor, and she was in the tsunami. She had a near death experience, and her life totally changed afterwards. So it was kind of like um, you could see, you know, they're in a nice posh hotel, and see the waves happening. It was just it's actually it was really surreal, and I can imagine you know going through it and not wanting to relive it. But uh, very close to what you're saying, especially from a spiritual standpoint of, uh, you know, of you having that question, the uh, individual question, as you mentioned, you said, well, I, 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 it was just me asking that question, do I want to live? And you could only hear your voice. So were, were you imagining, at least for your daughter and your mother, that they went through similar scenarios that you had gone through? Mm, you know, um, it's difficult. It's kind of difficult to answer because it's. I feel like every every being on this earth comes with a unique story, and I don't know if if they went through. But from my mom, who I know that passed away, it must have been a very you know a very kind of shocking, traumatic, you know, passing away because it's unexpected. It's not like you are prepared for through whatever, you know, you go through being, you know, sick or having somehow to go or just prepare. It was just from, it is like seconds, you know, it was, it's just, you are, and so I don't know. I don't know if they did, especially my Daughter, it's in the book. I explain a lot about her in a way how how her whole being, you know, is was already these two and a half years. She learned me so much; it was just unbelievable. And even people like in the office, when I brought her to the office, you know, and some of them said like, you know, there was one guy who was, you know, 
he was a hiker, just being in the, out in the mountains, you know, had no clue, was not interested in children. But he said, you know, Misana, next time you bring her, you know, you really have to tell me because I need a picture. I need so much to make a picture of her. I need that this face is just speaking always to me, you know. And it happened to so many uh, other people. The couple who was, went with us on holiday, being, um, they just said, now we are going to have uh, two weeks just for ourselves, you know. It was like, and the son, the 24-year son of them, you know, he passed away in the room beside me. So, you know, life is just, yes. It just, for me, why I'm, also why I wrote the book, it's just like to remind that there is to prepare yourself in every moment to be uh, connected to something to which helps you through when it comes. In, uh, when you really are in the crisis, then it's kind of like sometimes people just, if they are not kind of connected to something higher than what we think that we are, they become to this possibility to see themselves as a victim of the situation, which I honestly never ever felt. What about the other side of it, where uh, we have survivor's guilt? You know, you have uh, something major that happens, and you're like, "Well, why am I still here?" And there's the other side where people feel like, "Well." Do I feel special or, you know, why I, did they have the same choices that I did? I went through the same thing they did. And, you know, why am I still here? Did you go through that period? I never had this uh, questioning myself because I felt like only like, okay, you know, short after you, I felt from the beginning on when this happened somehow after the, you know, after the next days and everything, I felt always like, you know, a part of me, you know, was, being like, you know, it's just, you are pain. Your whole body is pain. There is nothing what can, it's just like, what is, you know, you are, your mind is going crazy because it's like, where is she? What's happening with her? Um, who is with her? Um, who is taking care? I mean, it's like, you, you, you're just like, you can't go to sleep. You, want, you wake up and you feel like, what? There is another day? what is where she now? I mean, it's like, boom, it's like your whole part. And there, which is so caught in this whole struggle of somehow, and, and, the, and then, then is there is another part who is like observer of the whole situation. And it's like, it's this kind of what I said, like the prayer who is saying every moment, it's like, guide me and surrender. With every end inhaling, I was like, please, please guide me. Please, please, God. It was, it was just like, and, and thank you for helping. And help, thank you for guiding me. It was always like, please, thank you. With inhaling and inhaling. It's like surrender, surrender to something. And it was interesting how much guidance I really got also. How... People came in life, you know, to support, you know. So I went a little back from your, because like to tell you, like, I think there is not to compare my 
um, story is less or more worth than another story, it's, I feel it's a different story that I'm carrying. And I Absolutely. think, and I think also what I, you know, Helen, and I believe, you know what I believe, it's maybe crazy when you tell, when I tell it, but I'm so sure, you know, that everybody of us comes with how to call like, you know, like a birth letter, what we ourselves wrote before we came, what kind of experiences in this life we are going to make. And we, of course, you know, just kind of, you know, forget or like, you know, don't remember because we get so busy in life. But I'm, I'm so much sure that everybody comes with already written stories. How does it, how does it sound to you? <laughs> Well, I have to ask you if you're familiar with the author Robert Swartz. No, no, I know. Okay, you, you'd really like it, and I'll, I'll put it in the notes, and I'll send it to you as well. He had written this book called Your Soul's Plan. And okay. in the book, I'll use one example. So there was this young lady, and she was deaf. She couldn't hear. And mm-hmm. so she had gone to see him uh, because what he he would do – you have people like Dr. Brian Weiss who would do past life regressions and things like that. This wasn't yes. necessarily a past life regression. This was mm-hmm. um, just for this argument or for the book that there's your past life and then there's a quote-unquote meeting that you have with your soul group. And so you are sitting and you're having <laughs> a meeting, for lack of a better term, with all mm-hmm. these people that you're going to incarnate. And as you mm-hmm. were saying... You're going to, oh, yeah, at 20, I'm going to go through this and go through that. So he had done this with the lady that was was deaf. Mm-hmm. And so in her previous life, um, they did go back to her previous life. In her previous life, she was a child, and her mother and father always argued. I mean, they were not just your typical spats. They were kind of violent. And so at the end, she was in the, in hiding in the closet because it was one of those big argument flare-ups again, and her father wound up shooting her mother and killed her. And so mm. in her mind at that time, she was like, I don't want to hear anything, anything, right, because that, just because she had that tie to that scene of, of noise being violent. And so mm-hmm. by going through that, um, and then in the ante room, when she was having this meeting with her soul group, she said, okay, in this life I'm going to, or I plan to be deaf and not hear and go through a number of other things. And the person or the entity that was her father in her previous life stood up in the meeting and said, there's nothing that I can contribute that for you to learn in this life. And so he sat down. He didn't incarnate in, this, in her current life. And so mm-hmm. I totally agree with you with that, with that, what you were saying that there, there may be some level of uh, precognition uh, that we forget about, and there is some pre-planning that we forget about as well. And so I, I, I'll send it to you because I, I think you'll really like it uh, because it's, it's, it's interesting listening to your story of how time just stood still. So it seems like time doesn't really exist when when you're actually going through something mm, yes I, I i think you become you become 
everything at that moment, or you know, every dimension. And why I'm saying also about you know that we come already with a written story is because, um, like some months later, I got a contact, you know, with a lady which is living here in um, Arab city, you know, like two hours from Vienna. Uh, she's a professor of music, uh, German. She wrote many school books, you know, for German. And she's an actor, actually. And she's like playing and then singing, still being on stage and everything. And her hand started to write 40 years ago. And she wrote the book, uh, The Leading Hand, because through 40 years, she wrote letters from the other world, from the spiritual world, to people and who came to her for help, you know, people who had sick children, you know, people who somebody died, whatever, it was a very, very, very situation, a very hard situation for this. And I got in contact with this lady and the message that I got, I just was so hard to agree, you know, for me or to, let's say to accept, because I hardly wanted the girl back. I just like, I, I mean, I had been searching. Helmut and I, we went for half a year back and forth. You know, we went to Thailand, coming back, went to Thailand, coming back. We went, I don't know, through, from house to house. I experienced so many people's lives. You know, you don't, when you knock on the door and there opens, you know, somebody and it's a mother, who shows you, with, you don't speak the same language, but she shows, you have a picture, you know, of your daughter in the hand. The other lady shows her picture with the son who uh, died in the tsunami. And it was so, you know, so many experiences and so deep, you know, connections. And at the same time, you know, so we did a lot, a lot, a lot, because it was for me like I have to do everything possible, everything possible, you know, because the messages have been so people after that saw her on a uh, on a market in a village, you know, when we because we have put, you know, pictures out there and this and so and uh, this lady told like, you know, she came through you and to be for you and to make a big change in yours and Helmut, your both lives. But her purpose or her is to be with, with another family in another country. And at that time, when it's right that you're going to meet again, it's going to happen. And there's nothing what you can force or do nothing. It's just to allow that it is the way it is. It was very hard for me because the letters we got, and I have these letters in the book also, they have been, this lady, she did not know me before. And she wrote about her more than myself. I like, like she's knowing my whole life. So, and she said, you know, this was your deal before you, before you incarnated that you're going through this and everybody of us has a different lesson here. Oh, absolutely. Um, one other thing, since you, you didn't see the Matt Damon movie, they, it, it's multiple stories and how they all, we all come together and how we're all connected. And I bring it up because uh, I have a twin sister 
And Mm -hmm. when she was pregnant, you know, she had a lot of false alarms. But the one day that she had, you know, thought she was really going to have the baby, I absolutely knew. And, and, you know, my niece was born. And so I think we all have some connection, especially someone really close to us, to know, you know, if they're here or not. And so if if you still have that feeling, it it sounds like it goes right along the lines of, of what you were told in the automatic writing session. Yeah, you know, yes, that's, uh, I, I'm so sure about that there is one day. It's just, you know, that time now, you know, so many years later, it's, uh, it's easier, you know, to um, speak about that. But I knew that time when it happened, I knew, you know, I have to give this, I have to make um, somehow, I, I was like, you know, the question for me is like, how can I grow through a crisis like this? How can I really, you know, give like the promise I gave to God or to myself, to my whatever, you know, that I'm going to come back with uh, being being bigger than I came, you know? And that's why I feel somehow, you know, it's, we now are so busy world, you know, we give like value to things which are kind of, yes, you know, just how, you know, well, maybe in that moment, it's, it's but then we just really lose ourselves in this third dimension, you know, in a way of, and that's, I feel like I would like, you know, to give, um, like reconnect again with you really are mm-hmm. and life then becomes like you know this this different i feel myself like a bridge you know when i wrote this book it was like you know giving a bridge from the third to the fifth dimension like how can you how can you walk from this to there and go back and forth and accept because it's not that we should like, oh, the body is not important. No, yes. I mean, I became a yoga teacher. <laughs> I'm an author, a yoga teacher now, and did lots of other things because I do appreciate life, actually. I want to go back for a second when you, that particular day. And, mm-hmm. right. you know, when you, I guess we're in the waiting room um, and you were between dimensions, and you were asked this question, do you want to live? And so mm-hmm. there are some schools of thought that, you know, before we incarnate, there are up to five, there may be more, but five major times in our lives where we're asked that question. And you can either decide, yeah, I'm done with this life, or no, I'd like to continue. And I wanted to get your take if you've heard anything like that, because you know, like you said, with your mother, she took that as uh, the time. She may have been asked that question. She said, you know what, I'm good for this life, and see you next time around. Are you familiar with, with any of that thought process? Yes, I think, yes. I think this was, for me, like a door to go, to leave. Mm-hmm. But you know what I felt, and also the next years, because I felt, you know, so much <laughs> pain, and sometimes I was just like, I there have been many times afterwards that I felt like I would just like go. I would just like go. But then, you know, what me held back was, you know, my son. I just like, no, that's not fair, you know. 
That's, that's no way that you can just say, yeah, because you are, to make even this choice. But I'm, I'm sure of that what you are saying, I believe in this, that we have this, you know, time frames where we can choose either to continue or to leave. I, I, I believe this, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and let's talk about our siblings, or not our siblings, but children. Right, they, mm-hmm. there's a, a school of thought that children choose their parents, and so they before they incarnate, they're in that same meeting room, and they're like, you know mm-hmm. what, I'm going to live with this person because this is what I'm going to learn in this life, or uh, I'm going to learn multiple realities. And uh, have you thought about it from? It's, it's just really interesting. Of you were no one could ask answer your question. Do you want to live? You had this. You only heard your voice. No one else mm. could weigh in. So are you, have you tried the exercise of, you know, other people in your family? And it didn't necessarily have to be the tsunami, but just, you know, life experiences since then where they may be going through something and you're like, well, oh, well, that's their life plan. Um, you know, as I speak open about how I think, I would say in, in, in my family, you know, that people would believe that we come with something like this and that we create, that we do have, yeah, this kind of concept about life, but none of them who would have been in the in the in the situation where they had to decide. Mm-hmm. Mm. Here's another part of that question. So, you know, most of us that we've interviewed in our podcast and just in regular life, it, it seems that some people can get this message really easily, and others will get the uh, what we call the spiritual four by four, where something is interpreted as catastrophic to learn that lesson. And what is your take looking back? Uh, because you, you, you mentioned a number of times on this podcast about letting go. And so there's always a conversation of free will versus destiny where we think we have control until something like this happens. Uh, what What is your take now as, as far as uh, people's willingness to understand their experience on their own time versus uh, allowing everything to happen and, and realizing you're part of a bigger picture? Yeah, I had actually to... I, I had a kind of thinking about this, but I had also to change it because I realized that I would um, judge people who would not accept that... To grow, you know, to everything makes a sense. Who would just like, let's say like this, who would, uh, before they, you know, make a choice to the better and go through pain, they would either accept to create, not conscious, but still, you know, a sickness. Mm-hmm. Because denying to go through this. And for me, it was like, I came, you know, with several people in confrontation in a way like, you know, I so much believe that everything what happens to me, to you, to everybody is, has a meaning. And once 
to tell you. I mean, it's like, it's like soul, your higher self is speaking to you because how, how otherwise? It, it has to give you a situation. It has to give you sometimes a sickness, it's ha- happening, uh, whatever. And it's kind of like, okay, how, what are you choosing now? And I realized that so many people choose to be, you know, more kind of a victim because it's easier. It's like, I don't want to take responsibility for this. It's, it's like, and I had actually, I had to work on myself to, to accept that that's a, just a choice you make and it's, it's not about me just because I make different choices to judge others because of their, but I can see that so many people um would like to go there to escape pain yeah yeah I think but you can't you can't at the end you can't there is nothing what you can escape escape you know i i have a very sorry to interrupt, but i have a very sweet story what i when i went to india to uh, learn how to suffer proper <laughs> i went through something because Yes, it's like I, I had really, I did not know how to transform, you know, the pain in myself. So I went to, a, it's called an oneness university. And there you actually learn really how to get this, this uh, information out of yourself because it's in your body. And you can't, if, you, if you're not willing to sit with the emotion, it's just, going to fall because inside you whatever you do it's not going to and so uh, I really learned there how to suffer proper (laughs) 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 that's funny do do you get a a diploma for suffering properly (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was really interesting you know because you know it's 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 kind of it and then you know it's just to sit with the emotions so many tell us you know you, you can't are you um you can't if you can't feel you can't heal you know but so that's something and it's you know we are so it's such a complex life because then you hear this and that's true that everything from the time when you and mother's warm until six, seven years, everything that happens is your program and you're going to, you know, bring up in your life, you know, all these stories, you will create stories to heal this, you know, what you experience through that time. And, but, you know, we, we just grow up and we stay, you know, we become adults, but never mature. And you're saying that to a bunch of homies, so we know that guys don't mature as quickly as women do. <laughs> mm, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> Let me ask you, um, because third dimension is, another, you know, another school of thought is that third dimension is full of contrast, so you experience the contrast to know what you really want. And when you go up a degree, let's say to, to fifth dimension, that the, it's not as dense as third dimension. So what you're focused 
focusing on manifests a lot quick, a lot more quicker, a lot, <laughs> a lot more quickly. And so, third dimension is actually a, a very graceful dimension because, like you mentioned, uh, with the with your Freudian example of we're repeating what we've learned from birth to seven, and we get so many opportunities to relive and learn from it. I sometimes say that our our guardians laugh at us and or they have a bunch of popcorn while they <laughs> watch us stumble through the world because this is what we chose to experience. And so there's no way to really judge anyone because who knows how many times it took for us to get a, a certain lesson right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's what, that's totally true. And I don't think in, in this fifth dimension there is no time. So it's, you know, it's like, like you say, like, okay, this higher lesson, they will, when we kind of, let's say, come back home, you know, it's like, I don't think that it's just everything will be good. Everything, whatever we did, will be good, you know. It's like we made it. Hey, we made it. We went through it, you know, somehow. But it's just, it's just so sad that being here on Earth, um, it feels like, uh, it feels like when I go on the street and it's, um, it's so touching and you look at people and you feel like they're just robots out there, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just so numbness. There is this numbness. There is this disconnection between the, 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 the mind and the heart. It's like, wow, it's just everything. And that's kind of like, it's just, um, you know, it's just sad that it's because it could be different, you know. But, yeah, it's just a, yeah. I think it's changing. <laughs> well, what if, it, what if it's a hangover? I mean, we, we've all in our lives, if we're honest, have had a night of excessive drinking and the next morning, oh, my goodness, I drank too much. I mean, we're not in the third dimension when we make these decisions. So we're like, yeah, throw that in there, too. Throw in five car accidents. Throw in an airplane crash. Throw, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then we're, yeah. we're in third dimension like, oh, what did I do last night? <laughs> did I really sign up for this? Yes, it's exactly because I don't want Mozart in my head. You know, I want. It's just I don't want this concert to listen in my head. I just want to listen. It just and it's yes, you're right. It's so, you know. But then it's like we when we go up this high, it's like okay, you know, hmm, how much do we really step into life in the in the moment of whatever happens because. For me, it became at the end, it's like, okay, we all look for happiness, joy, and this and this, and that's okay too. But at the end, it's like, if you have pain, I think in the spiritual world, with, where you have no body, you know, it's like they would even appreciate, hey, how does pain feel? How does sadness feel? How does suffering feel? You know? It's like, oh, and when I realized, yeah, that's a point. I, I was thinking about this, you know. That's a point, and I just looked now also different to these other qualities, you know. It feels like, wow, you know, it's, there is a possibility. I just can go through this, you know. I can turn this. I, have, I can make, you know, I can take from, it's, it's possible to make this from going sad to feel joy because you embrace both. And don't, it's like, okay, I just want to be on this side. Exactly. It, it, along those lines, I want to ask you about uh, your guardian angels, because you're talking about letting go. And so uh, there's 
I, I listen. I used to listen to a lot of Abraham, and mm-hmm. there were some instances where they were talking about Esther saying, well, you know I'm right, and she was arguing for her limitation. And their answer was, well, we don't go down to that level. So, you know, as a human, you're allowed to go down as far as you want, as far as victimhood or righteousness or feeling that you're being right or being dogmatic. Uh, But it's such a low, dense feeling that your guides don't go down to that level. So I'd like for you to talk a little bit about how, because it seems, I mean, I can hear just in this hour so much growth that you've experienced uh, what's life like now where you once upon a time felt you had so much control and now it seems like you have more of the art of allowing happening? Hmm. For me, it's now the play between the conscious play in a way of when I want to re- achieve something, I like and enjoy to sit and to go in the fifth dimension and to create it there and to see when it's going to happen like here. So it's like being really the creator in, 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 a, in a body, you know, being human and, uh, and then just like playing this really like conscious uh, creator being. And for me, it's like now I just also, I see it's like I'm so... I'm so grateful, you know, for having, how to say, having a, having a beautiful bed at night where I can have a safe home and something. So other things become so, just being grateful to see my son and to watch him playing soccer, to look at his eyes and just to see him without expecting that he has to achieve something, just to be, to, to enjoy his presence or other, you know, friends' presence, to, it's, it's a kind of like, wow, you know, it's so, it becomes that I look more, I would say I look more from, from, from my heart now to people because after the tsunami, I was so much in pain, but you could not really see it. And I was thinking, you know, people would tell me, wow, I would not even think about that you went through something like this because you don't look like. And so for me, it was like, what? you know, you don't know when you looked into somebody. I was, you know, asking myself, you never know what anybody is going really through. It's not the outside, you know, just accept, you know, and just like embrace. I mean, try it as much as you can. What you see is beautiful without bringing your story and making uh, like, yeah, you know, just creating a story about somebody. No. And this was a really big lesson for me, you know, to look different in, to other people. And to just, you know, be and, and, and enjoy them. Enjoy them. And really, you know, enjoy lots of, how to say, like, um, the life itself. You know, the nature, going out, being, everything, everything. You know, all these different seasons we have, you know. So, this getting, back, getting up in the morning, being grateful that the body can move, you know, that 
just to feel when you shower, to feel really that you shower, you know, and somehow just the small things become so nice. And then so I'm just gratefulness. My heart is way much warm than because before I was just a busy woman. I was career concentrated and so, and yeah. Let me ask you the other side of that. So if you go to a nice restaurant and you, know, you order and you're sitting there and you're enjoying the scenery and what have you, but it seems like the food is taking too long, right? And you want to go back there and you're like, where's yeah. my food? <laughs> <laughs> so so, so I, I want to ask you when you, you're creating in the third dimension, but it's not manifesting in the third dimension as quickly as you yeah. would like. Uh-huh. Uh, I I am not always patient. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. But you know the point is the the, the 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 difference is I still observe that I'm not. It's also when you stand in the supermarket and there is such a line, you know, to the cat, and I'm like, bam, you know. But I can see, okay, Sana, you feel bam, <laughs> like. <laughs> You know, it's this kind of, but I'm not, I, I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just a game. It's, it's not, it's not that, you know, when I was hanging on this, um, on this tree there, you know, will, you know, being naked, everything was gone. You know, I was really like, literally, I had, you know, nothing, my life, you know, there. And that's, what, and then I promised myself, you know, Sana, there's nothing in the world, there's no situation which, where you can feel like embarrassed or something, because look at you, you know, so on. But the point is after a while you forget, actually, and you, yeah, get caught in this, <laughs> in this emotion somehow. It, it, and still, it's a training, you know, it's still, you know. The, but it was, it was interesting for me when I said, okay, you promised you something self, but then you, you just... Yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of a challenging, <laughs> yeah, it's life. I'll, it's I'll, life. No, I love it, and, you know, you have to be lighthearted about some of these things because, you know, we're we're laughing, and some people may not be in that space when they listen to the podcast, like, this should be so serious. It, it made me think of Eckhart Tolle, who wrote, you know, The Power of Now, and he's like, shut up, be quiet, I'm trying to meditate. Like, it totally takes you out of the message that you're trying to get. So mm, yeah, we're, we're, just, yeah. we're not taking ourselves too seriously here. Yes, and at the same time, you know, when you are really, when somebody, you can see somebody is in pain, I have a deep respect. Because at that moment, every kind of smart advice, you know, is, uh, is not so helpful. I mean, for me, the most helpful were when somebody would just be there and, you know, embrace my pain, and that's it. One of your big takeaways that I really liked was, you know, when you went back to Thailand and you went to other places, it sounds like uh, you had some group support, too, of people that had gone through something similar. And I do want you to – you kind of glossed over it, but how important do you think it is to actually – speak with a group that may be going through something similar? Well, um, I had actually not really a group who went through something similar. It was just like because I went to Thailand to, on search, you know, 
to look up in the mountains, you know, for the girl. To, and there is nothing what you can, I had somebody who was a translator, interpreter, you know, who would, because I don't speak Thai, and they would just say, okay, you know, uh, I would knock on the doors, I would go there, because I got, you know, my, I was kind of guided, but this is where I connected with people in a way who went and lost, almost everybody in Carl Luck at that time lost a family member, because this was that place where the people went uh, to find work, all the people who have been in this area, you know, living, they looked, you know, at some point to be whatever they could, you know, in the hotels, you know, from every level of possible, you know, work. And so almost every family in this area lost somebody. So this is where you could really, you know, without without speaking the same language, but you, uh, you could see we are just emotional beings. That's what it is. And, you know, and there is something that connects us. It doesn't matter where we come from. But national belief doesn't matter. You know, it's just that at the end, it's, it's what, uh, how you speak from your heart to the other person. Yes. And one thing I like about some TV shows they have here in the States is they have this thing called separated at birth and they have you know, siblings or twins, and they were separated at you know, less than five years old, and 40 years later, they, they reconnect, and it's really interesting. They have the same type of spouse. They wear the same type of clothes. And so what it seems, the overall, overall message is that uh, anything that's missing is temporary, either in third dimension or beyond. And so you know, I'd like to, I wanted to at least highlight that because you still have the feeling that she's alive. So there will be some point where you two reconnect. Mm. Yes, thank you for this. Thanks. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, we I, are at I, the top of the yeah. hour. Mm -hmm. So I, I wanted to leave on that high note, and I also wanted to give you the time to talk about your website and where they can get the Borrowed Daughter book. Is it an audio form as well? No, it's even not uh, in English available. It's just in German. It's already translated, but I'm now just, you know, looking for a publisher and, you know, have some contacts, but not yet. So, and it's in, it's German speaking people. It's everywhere. You can buy it in a bookstore on Amazon and um, on my website, I have a little bit about how I see the world, you know, and kind of my way of looking at things and yeah the link to the book but it's just like you say it's German and I hope to have it as soon as possible in English because you know I believe it was like for me it's like when I give the book out and the world you know can kind of because when you read the book you, you transform that's for sure but it was like it's a gift to the world and universe. And I, I get a gift from the universe and that's going to be my daughter. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you have just been in tune to another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homeless Perspective. This is Hamza. And I am David. Sana, it was a pleasure. Uh, please stay in touch with us. Let us know when you get the book in English translation. We'll definitely push it out for you. 
thank you for having me with you and uh, thank you also to your audience for you know being there and lots lots of greetings from Vienna thanks a lot bye thank you thank you bye <laughs> bye Thanks again for checking out another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homies Perspective podcast. Please check us out on our website at intrinsicmotivation.life where you can click on the speak pipe button and leave any suggestions for a future podcast that you'd like us to cover. Also check us out on our social media sites. We have a YouTube channel, Facebook page, iTunes podcast, in addition to Stitcher and Google Play, all under Intrinsic Motivation from a Homies Perspective. Check you out next time. Have a great day. Listen to Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective on Radio Public. It's a free, easy-to-use app that helps listeners like you find and support shows like ours. When you listen to our show on Radio Public, we receive direct financial support every time you hear an episode. Experience our show in Radio Public today by listening to the show link in our episode notes, and thank you for listening.